This is the Blogist Podcast, episode 18. This is the Blogist Podcast, a new type of podcast here to connect brands and influencers in a way that has never existed. This is the podcast where brands and influencers can come together to synergize worthy opportunities to reach new audiences and new heights. We'll interview both influencers and brands to talk about quitting the nine to five, building up your base one connection at a time, and what brands should know about your audience in order to leverage theirs. Brands meet influencers, influencers meet brands. This is the Blogist Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Blogist Podcast. I hope you all know how much joy it brings our team to record these episodes. The purpose of our podcast is to create a real, genuine, raw connection between marketers, entrepreneurs, content creators, and influencers. Now more than ever, on a personal and professional level, I've been really feeling that connection is everything. The only way that we'll be able to grow and make it all out of all that is going on in this world is if we do it together. We are all in this together. I know how convoluted and ridiculous some people feel like this phrase is, but I personally could not believe it more. And really through this podcast, we hope all these conversations that we're having will uplift you and inspire you so that you can use the stillness to listen and grow. We often talk about how emails are to me, one of the worst things because it's instant gratification. Use this time to sit in the stillness. Think about what am I doing with my business? Who am I? What am I passionate about? That, my friends, is productivity. And before we dive in to talk about today's guest, I wanted to talk a bit about the tools that you can use to learn during times of stillness. We actually recently launched a guide that truthfully is going to change the game for all of you. We've had the pleasure of working with a ton of leading brands and digital influencers. And along the way, we've learned six key things that content creators should and need to implement to see growth in your business. And you know what? great news. We're giving you all of these tools for free. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. We've never done this before. Just a heads up, go to bloggist.co, literally just go to our website, bloggist.co, enter your email. And from there, you'll be able to get the free six step guide to increasing your revenue. This is not just for the content creators starting out. This guide will help anyone along their journey. We all could use this time of stillness to learn. And I hope this free guide helps you instrumentally. Now, for today's show, I'm thrilled to introduce you to someone who has become a very close member of the bloggers community, Erica Gatlin. Erica is a social influence maven with over 10 years of experience, specifically in the social media and influencer marketing world. Erica has worked on both agency and client side, ranging from boutique entrepreneurial organizations to Fortune 500 businesses. Safe to say, she knows the ins and outs of this industry. And one of the reasons we love to follow her is she's a mom to three girls and has a beautiful, beautiful rescue pup. Um, And she lives right outside of Boston, actually. So um, as you know, we have a serious footprint in Boston, and we're so grateful to be able to have Erica a part of our Boston community. In our episode today, we talk about why as a content creator, you should map out a quota for how many gifted campaigns you will take on each month and why gifted campaigns are actually one of the secret parts of a successful business online. 
We from there talk about the growth of the industry in the past 10 years and what Erica believes are the biggest changes that she hopes to see happen in our industry in the next one, two years, 10 years. And at the end of the episode, we talk about why brands need and should go back to basics and look for content creators for what they're best at, creating content, and really why the future of content production can and should be in the hands of influencers and content creators. Let's go to the episode. Erica, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so happy to be here. I haven't been able to connect with anybody in a long time since we're all in lockdown here. And I'm so excited to talk about influencer marketing with you. I, one of our favorite topics. Well, for everyone listening, they all just heard a little bit of an introduction about you, but I'd love to pass the mic off to you and have you take a bit of a deep dive into your career and specifically some of the pivotal moments that have brought you to where you are today, April 23rd, 2020. Uh, well, it's kind of crazy. I've, I have this really like windy and twisty background where I started my career in newspapers, which as we know, are a little bit of a dying industry, but a great place to start your career. So I started working with both the major newspapers here in Boston, the Boston Herald and the Boston Globe in advertising and in copywriting for house ads. So that career as everyone started to get laid off from newspapers, I had to find a new industry to get into. And I said, well, I'll get into public relations because that seems to be a logical next step. So I had a pretty good run in working in PR. And then Julian, you and I were just talking about the 2008 recession that ended that career. <laughs> and it was at a time where social media really started to take off. Twitter became the hottest thing. And I found this little consultancy down the street for me that was marketing to moms through social media. And it turns out it was the very beginning stages of what we now call influencer marketing. So cool. So walk me through, what does that mean? What does that quite mean? So they were using Twitter to directly speak to moms or what about that really do you feel like was the beginning of influencer marketing as we, as we know it today? So they were using moms who had a voice in a platform. And I think it started with moms who were authors or, you know, had different ways of communicating with small audiences. And what started to become hot at that time was bloggers. So moms started to have a voice in a platform on their own blogs, writing about their daily life. And brands started to notice that, hey, you know, other moms are reading these things. They're, you know, these bloggers have a voice and they're influential and they're recommending products. Let's try to get products in the hands of these moms so they can talk about them on their platforms. Twitter hadn't really come into play yet. That was maybe a year later. We started having them review products for in exchange for Amazon gift cards. So we weren't even really paying them yet. But it was it was a really interesting scenario because we found that these bloggers were really just kind of taking any opportunity that came their way, whether they believed in it or not. So it was a little different than what we're seeing happen now. But yeah, moms had a really strong voice as far as being online way back 11 years ago. So what was that? I know it sounds like you joined the team. Remind me the name of the company. I know we've spoken about this before, but... Oh, the name of the consultancy was Mom Central Consulting. Okay, got it, um, got it. 
what was that kind of evolution like for them? And then you, as you joined the the team. So, you know, was it something that they were like, we see this big shift and we're not quite sure what's going to happen, but let's just test it and see what's going to happen. Like and these moms have a, a social following and a social footprint. Like, let's see if there will be some sort of, you know, sentiment and engagement if we send them product or what was that kind of inherent shift that happened when they were like, this is something like there's, there's opportunity here. What, what was that like? So it was funny. I would say probably 85% of our clients were PR agencies and what they really needed, what they were being tasked with as far as their CPG clients was to find moms and market to moms. And they're pitching media, they're pitching media outlets, you know, mom related magazines, but to them reaching out to us and having us find 40 mom bloggers to write about their product was, was really just checking a box for them. It was funny because we had so many ideas. We're, you know, a lot, pretty much a creative agency too, but they never came to us in the beginning stages of when they were planning a campaign, but they would come to us with a set budget and say, okay, we need this. We need 40 reviews and that's it. And there was no wiggle room or anything. So it was kind of trying to get people to understand that working with people who have a voice and have a platform, there's a whole strategy behind that. Um, so that I think that was the hardest thing to get clients to understand in the beginning. I love it. It's so interesting. I We did a post about a year ago, actually, um, kind of challenging this idea or thinking about this idea of influencer marketing throughout the years really being just another form of referral marketing. So like me as a person, I have an influence over my immediate circle of, of friends, family, right? And they love if I refer them to something or if I talk about something because they have that trust with me, they will most likely buy it. So it's so cool just kind of from the, the beginning stages of influencer marketing, like really thinking about this idea of companies viewing, no matter what channel it is, the the right mom bloggers who have built a tribe of women to talk about a product, there really is an opportunity to be able to refer a product and have them potentially buy it. So um, just an interesting thought that we've delved very deeply into is this idea of like, you know, influencer marketing, the the best kind of influencer marketing really being referral marketing in in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I mean, you know, that is how we that is how we buy things, isn't it? It's in general, everyone, you, you, you reach out to your friends, your group of friends and say, Hey, has anybody found a good, you know, stain remover that works for them, you know, or something like that. I certainly do that all the time with my friends. And then, you know, if more than two of them recommend something, I'm buying it. Absolutely. So, you know, we're kind of talking about it then, and then I want to talk about it now. So you've been in this industry uh, for a long time, kind of from the beginning, not even, you know, when Instagram was what it is now. And now we talk about channels like TikTok and your daughter using TikTok and YouTube and, um, you know, Twitter still is a very, you know, powerful channel. But, you know, what have been some of the biggest changes in the industry since you started? Let's talk about like the good ones and the bad ones, because I think there isn't enough conversation about, you know, some of the things that you think have changed in a way that you don't necessarily think is beneficial for the long-term health of this industry? Yeah. Well, over 11 years, you see a lot of changes. This industry has evolved so much from when we had, you know, influencers, bloggers, we called them, didn't even call them influencers yet in a spreadsheet that we just emailed them all and said, Hey, do you want to review this new granola bar to actually looking at influencers for individually for what they bring to the table and, you know, how much of an expertise they have in a certain area and how their audience responds to them. I mean, there's so many different ways to look at an influencer now than just like, 
hey, here are 40 moms that chuck a box for us. Instead, we're, you know, we're looking at influencers with all different kinds of followings, high, low, how their audience engages with them. And, you know, as a result, one of the, you know, the cons to that is that we're seeing that influencers set their own rate now. And Julian, I know you and I have talked about this in the past. It is just, it's the wild, wild west when, when you're trying to scope out an influencer activation on behalf of a brand and you really don't know what to set for a budget for them because you're not sure, you know, who you're going to use, first of all, to execute the campaign and you don't know what their rates look like yet. And I think that's such a, you're in such a special place right now to actually be kind of behind the scenes guiding influencers in that way. It's so interesting. We had a conversation with one of our clients yesterday. Her name's Kelly Augustine, and she's been doing this for a very long time, not in the mom vertical, but she started her blog 10 years ago. And we talked about her her point of view and the evolution of the industry. And it's very interesting, like as someone who has been on the in the industry from the brand side for just as long, it seems like you two very much have like a similar um, kind of thought around what are some of the good and bad things currently happening in the industry. And she talked a little bit about how, you know, back in the day, she was pretty much looked at her blog as buying an ad spot, right? Like it was pretty much selling Mm -hmm. impressions. And something happened in the past three years where we saw this hockey stick growth when people really started understanding that there is a lot of power in storytellers and content creators advocating for a business and a brand. But what's happened is because there's become such supply of creators that it's created such inconsistency in terms of what people are charging based on impressions or click-throughs or, you know, reach, right? There's no real standardization. And it's it's so interesting hearing from you that this is, isn't an issue. It's more of a thing we need to address. And someone from the influencer side of things who has been doing this for such a long time, identifying that as well. I think that, you know, this could be the year, like, you know, we're going through this moment, Erica, you and I have talked about, you know, this is kind of a, a moment of, of pivoting and shifting and really looking at influencer marketing and as a viable marketing channel. And so maybe this is the time in our industry to kind of go back to basics where we were 10 years ago and really think about buying that ad spot on Instagram, buying that ad spot on YouTube. I don't know what you think about that idea, but it's just so interesting that you kind of pulled, you you identified something that on the influencer side of things, who's someone who's been in the industry for such a long time, something that she deems is a bit of an issue that we're experiencing as well. Right. I mean, how do you put together a package for a client and then just say, okay, we'll just need $100,000 for influencer fees. (laughs) Maybe you'll get some of it back. Maybe you won't. But yeah, I mean, I am a big fan of trying to streamline rates a little bit and make more sense of them. But I'm also not on the other end of things. And, you know, influencers see unique things. And I actually don't know how, for the most part, how they set their rates. You know, maybe they worked on a program once that had this rate and, and they think, okay, well, this is going to be my new rate now. It's actually really interesting. And I think you probably have more insight there as to how influencers think about setting your own rates. It seems like something that I very much believe in something that we talked to a lot of the influencers, our community is this idea that like, it doesn't matter how many followers you have, like your level of influence over your community is the most important thing. So I would love to hear from you, Erica, actually this idea of what do you think is more powerful them having more followers and maybe reaching the same amount of people as say someone who has 40,000 followers and their conversion rate is like 50%. That's, that's insane. But I think there's something so much more powerful about their ability to create content that will lead to an action versus someone who just has 
has a million followers. That I think is why so many companies have really gravitated toward micro influencers because they have this community of people have done right who do anything that they say. And it isn't so oversaturated by the millions and millions of people who follow them. Well, I think that's a good point. And I would say, you know, engagement is still a very strong way to look at how content is performing. But on certain platforms, too, you're not seeing as much engagement. Like Facebook has changed its algorithm and engagement is way down. So now, you know, when people do media buys on social, they're just going for reach instead of engagement now. So it's kind of flip-flopping a little. I mean, think, you know, these platforms change, too. So it's just so hard to know. But I also think, you know, we talked a little bit about how brands are not using influencer content as much as they should. They're just kind of letting influencers create their content, which is awesome content, and letting it sit out there. And they're not promoting it on their end. They're not taking it and packaging it up as sponsored content somewhere else. They're not putting it on their website. You know, there are so many ways to really have that content work for you. Yeah. I So let's dive a little bit deeper into that. So, you know, we talked a lot about how um, offline, off the podcast, but we've talked a lot about how, you know, the power of influencer marketing really is content storytelling. So would that tie directly to just some of the, the best and the best campaigns that you've worked on? So walk us through for listeners and I think for the influencer marketers that are listening and for the influencers who are listening to who can really gather some insight onto, you know, what happens on the agency side of things. But what have been some of the most impactful influencer campaigns? You don't have to talk about them directly, but just some of the key takeaways. And if content was one of those things, like what about that content was so magical um, and impactful that you really felt like when your when your client regrammed it or used it for emails, things like that, what about it was was so impactful? The way I look at it is there are a lot of great content creators out there, tons of them. You can give them great direction. They can put their own creative spin on it. You can get great content to use anywhere. If we really want to talk about some of the best campaigns and best content I've seen, don't laugh, but it's... um, No, we need it. I love it. This is (laughs) what we need. It's some of the more taboo subjects where I've seen the absolute best content come out of it because it's more real. Not everybody wants to talk about taboo subjects, but the people who do, it's because maybe they can relate to it a little bit more and they have a personal story behind it. And it's very authentic. So, you know, at one place I worked, we ran a lot of below the belt product campaigns. So like you can imagine what that means, like stuff that's very personal and you get some of the, the, the best content out of it that I think is really meaningful to a brand and they can use it as, you know, they can use it for fodder on their website. They can use it on social channels because you're hearing from a real person that maybe did have hemorrhoids and they needed to use this product. So I think that is some of the best content, like a real personal spin on it. That's where you're going to get the best stuff. I love that. So really, you know, this idea of someone who has this ability to connect and like be honest and real, because that's what people need. Again, back to this thought that we had in the beginning of the conversation, like influencers or content creators, they have these communities of people, but they come to them, the the right ones, they come to them and they've been able to successfully build this business. It's focused on like connection. And so when they work with a brand that aligns so well to talk about things like hemorrhoids or what have you, their community feels like, wow, this is a needed conversation to have because they're being vulnerable and they're creating like authentic stories. And that as a follower makes me feel so much more connected to them. And that's, that's invaluable engagement right there. Exactly. 
So walk me through, um, you know, you've worked in a lot of different industries and I think that there are, there's clearly some inherent differences between how like the fashion industry views influencer marketing, the beauty industry, um, and the wellness industry and the parenting, you know, motherhood. Um, so do you see that there are certain verticals or certain, you know, parts of our consumer facing world that are a little more sophisticated when it comes to influencer marketing? And what about those specific industries do you feel like are so impactful? Um, maybe some industries that are less sophisticated or again, back to some of our listeners who are influencer marketers, you know, they could potentially take away about some of the key, you know, the key things that some of the, the, the industries that have really blown up and exploded because of influencer marketing, they could potentially implement. Well, all of those that you just mentioned are, you know, hot niche categories for influencers, but overall, I would say that if an influencer is an expert in a certain area their content is going to be more sophisticated and more influential. So it it almost doesn't matter what it is. So, you know, I worked with someone who quit her job in marketing and became a beauty influencer and is crushing it. And so I know that I don't really know what I use for products, but if I'm looking for a good moisturizer, I'm going to hit up her vlog and I'm going to see what she has to say about all the many brands. What is her handle? So we can link it below. So, So she is with Sarah. Okay. And I used to work with her at a marketing agency and she's awesome. She's a vlogger who started in the beauty space, just doing it for fun as a passion project. Um, We were both interviewed for Chronicle actually (laughs) together, her on her um, influencer side of things and me as the expert at the agency. But yeah, I mean, you know, as someone who isn't really into beauty as much, I will go check out what she has to say about this certain brand or this brand because I trust her and I know she knows what she's talking about. Whereas, you know, if you're talking about general lifestyle influencers, I love me a good lifestyle influencer, but I can't say that they're an expert in any certain thing. They're just kind of like, sure, I'll, I'll write a travel piece and I'll review this product. And I mean, that's great and everything, but I actually want to hear from somebody who knows what they're talking about if I'm really interested in it. Right. So you've got all these influencers with different, you know, genres, wellness, fashion, you know, the ones, I mean, you know, who knows what they're talking about and who has, who has really established themselves as an expert in that space, you know, their opinion is going to be way more powerful to their readers than someone who is just kind of open to anything. I think that is so powerful for everyone listening, both, you know, on the marketer side and the, the influencer side. I think we talk to a lot of our clients about what makes you an actual voice in this industry. And coming from just my career in startups before we founded Blogus, one of the biggest things we always talked about is the founder story or the, the reason why your business story, I should care about what you have to say. And so I think it's really important for the people listening who either if you're trying to find an influencer who can potentially align with your campaign initiative, or if you are just starting out or really trying to think about like, what can I do with my business? It's so important to have that reason why, or that story about why people should care. I looked to one of our clients and I'm really excited to follow the, the woman you just talked about, but I looked to one of our clients, her name is Carolyn Morand, and she was literally our, our first ever influencer that we worked with. And she is a fit model and she just, her entire career started out as, as a fit model for a lot of lingerie companies. And through that, she really identified that there was no 
one out there who represented this size 12, 14 body and showed bras for women of her size. And so she kind of, she has this story of, I am a fit model and I've worked with a ton of different companies. And now I'm going to show you how I wear these things. Like there's that level of validity and credibility to what she has to say, because she didn't just start wearing bras. We all wear bras, (laughs) right? But she had like a place where she came from. So I think it's so powerful what you just uh, really dove into is this idea of, I want to go to someone who really has a story to tell and has, uh, has given me the reason why I should care about what they're saying. That's absolutely right. And that's how they build their audience. You know, it goes way back to, you know, what did they have to say? What was their passion? Almost, almost every influencer started with a passion, right? I couldn't agree more. And they, they had a story to tell and that story has brought them to where they are. So, you know, I think we talked a little about the agency side of things and we talked about the, the influencer side of things, but what do you think influencers should know about how agencies operate that can make the relationship between agencies and influencers a little bit better? I actually think this advice works for just about anybody, but when you're like the middle person, say you're an agency and you've got the client to please and you've got the influencer to please, I think what both sides don't understand, especially influencers, when you're you're being pushy or being really nitpicky about something, is that, you know, we're answering to a brand. It isn't just because we're trying to be difficult or you know, we don't know what we're doing. It could be that we've gotten new direction from the brand and we've tried to talk them down on that end and the influencer may not see that. And we've said, okay, we'll just go back and ask the influencers if they'll change this or they'll, they'll you know, shift and pivot direction a little bit. And then, you know, you get pushback from the influencers. Well, I already did most of the content. So it's hard. It's hard, always hard being the middle person anyway. And I try to think about this in life. Like if I'm working with someone and I feel like they're being difficult. I try to put myself in their shoes and say, you know what? They're probably putting the pressure on me because they're getting pressure somewhere else. And I think it's always good to to remember. So something I actually, now thinking about it, um, an experience that I think we're all seeing in this industry, right, is companies changing where they're spending their marketing dollars just based on where we stand with the current global pandemic that we're in. So if I was an influencer and, you, you know, I I had an experience where maybe an agency had come to me and said, our client paused the campaign, they canceled the campaign. How do you think an influencer should approach talking to the agency with the understanding that they're at the end of the day? like not making that executive decision. It's their client or the brand that's making that decision. So walk us through like any advice that you have for our listeners when it comes to them potentially getting not great news that a campaign has been pushed back or has potentially been canceled. I mean, this has definitely happened in my space. Uh, I've found that influencers, for the most part, I think they've been really understanding, especially if you have a really good relationship with them. And they know that your willingness to work with them and kind of understand that this is what this is what happens in business in general, right? They're not special. It's not just happening to them. It's happening to everyone. And understanding that, you know, their reaction to that is only going to help them in the long run, right? So if they're understanding about it and they're like, hey, we get it. And it's like, you know what? I love this person. They're so great to work with. I'm going to recommend them for the next campaign that comes up. And I think that's I just think that's part of a, a good business relationship. Absolutely. So understanding that they're just human beings too, and they're probably feeling the same thing as well. And they're adhering to what their client's saying. And so just being compassionate because at the end of the day too, the the power of working with an agency and having a great relationship with an agency is they probably work with an assortment of different clients too. So if they had a bad relationship with you and this, with this, you know, in this one experience, they're probably not going to work with you again. So it is really important to make sure that as things are pivoting and adjusting, I think that's a great, great piece of advice, really just kind of being human and being 
being empathetic and saying like, how can we work through this together? Because at the end of the day, they're probably not the ones making that executive decision. And by the way, that absolutely does happen. (laughs) If, if we work with an influencer and they're just, you know, I don't know, just being really difficult, the agency will, will hesitate to work with them again. I mean, that absolutely happens. Yeah. So another question that we've actually gotten, this came from our Instagram. I I put up a poll we were doing in this podcast. So I was really excited about this one, but I think something that a lot of influencers feel. And one of the reasons why I wanted to ask you this, Erica, is because you have such experience, you know, specifically on the agency side. And a lot of times what will happen when an agency reaches out to an influencer is they might reach out to them if it is a traditional PR agency, just to gift them product. And from the influencer side of things, there's, there's definitely, and I'm, I'm generalizing this. So I apologize, but I also think like, like this is a, an overall just feeling that I think a lot of content creators have is when PR agencies reach out to influencers, they say, hey, can I send you this gifted product? And you need to post about it in exchange for just gifted product. And while I understand that frustration, sometimes I think that there is something really important about if you actually genuinely like this product, you should review it like you should try it and then figure out like post about it on your stories. See, see, you know, what is your community? Do they like this product? And then from there, go back to that agency. But, you know, from your perspective, what can influencers? do if they are feeling worn down from like getting a lot of potential emails from agencies that are just like, I want to get gifted product. I think what happens sometimes is they just feel so jaded that they have a kind of a, a negative email tone in every single agency correspondence that they have because they had one agency that just kept sending them free product and never wanted to do anything on a paid act, like paid way. So what do you think influencers can kind of do maybe a mindset that they can adapt or just strategy or best practices that they can implement? So, you know, if a brand just wants to send them free product, like understanding that there might be something in the future, like what do you think they can do? I think they can really think about how much in general in-kind posts that they're willing to do right for the year. So maybe they want to do one a quarter or something like that and they don't mind and they'll pick a product that really resonates with them and their audience. And I think that's a great thing to do. And it's a great way to build a relationship too. I also think along that vein, that they accept that opportunity, they should also send along their rates and say, I'd love to continue this relationship. Here are my rates for future reference and be very professional about it and have a whole, you know, elevator pitch put together just for those instances. I think that's such good advice because I think that there really is this a unanimous groan that happens when a, a company will send an email that says, Hey, we want to gift you product in exchange for a free post. And I, I've never really thought about that. And I think that's such a good piece of advice. You know, influencers, they, they're operating a business too. So them really kind of thinking about their, you know, fiscal year and saying, how much real estate am I willing to give to a company in, in kind or for free product? Because I genuinely love, I, I want to try this product and I want to share it with my community too, because at the end of the day, that's, you know, what I'm supposed to do is, is share products that I love and endorse. But, you know, maybe Maybe not doing a full-fledged blog post, Instagram, Insta story because it's not sponsored, but kind of, you know, showing the brand what, what they will potentially get if they do a paid activation because the, the story maybe performed really, really well. Yeah. And it's a good introduction to, especially with the brand you love. Yeah. I, I, I love that. That's such, such good advice. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so, you know, we've talked a lot about the industry in the past and now where we are, and I know so much has happened in the past few weeks now, but you know, what do you hope to see happen in this industry in the next year? And what do you think in the next five years? I know, again, we would have never realized seven years ago that Instagram would have the power that it has right now. You know, we would have never realized that TikTok would become something. And, you know, maybe Twitter was the only channel that we would have thought would have existed. 
good. So what, what do you hope to see happen in the next year? And then, you know, just on top of that, where do you think this industry could go and where do you hope to see it go five years from now, three years from now? Well, I know, um, Julian, you and I have talked a little bit about this, but the fact that influencers are content creators, they should be thought of that way and not just, you know, what they can offer on their platforms. They create beautiful photos, they're storytellers in their writing, they're social media experts, they're actually multifaceted, they can offer a lot. So, you know, one of the things that we started to do at my last agency was have them create content for us, put it on their own platforms, because, you know, we need that audience too. But also, you know, can we get the rights to these photos to use on the company website for a year? Can we use them on social for a year on the, you know, the brand social channels? Can you send us all the photos you take, even if you don't put them on your blog, so that we can use them in promotional materials? And I think that is the direction that this industry is moving in. Think of how expensive it is to hire photographers, videographers, content creators, copywriters. When you can just use somebody who does this all day long and has really honed their craft and they produce beautiful things for you to use in marketing your business. And I think, sadly, I think some of the, the other industries that I just mentioned may take a hit from that, but it would be, it'll be a more affordable way of of getting content in the future. I love that so much. And I actually think this is, that's such a lesson for companies right now that I think are really trying to pivot and adjust as they think about how can I produce content that I can use for my marketing channels and going to content creators to truly create stories. There's such opportunity there because they really are a one-stop shop. And, you know, through that too, you also get their community. You, you get their, their influence and credibility because they've built that credibility within a specific industry, right? So, you know, by me going to a certain fashion company's website and I see this creator who I love and adore and I really value her insight when it comes to, you know, talking about shoes or, or undergarments or makeup, I'm going to feel like I, I'm, it's, I'm that much more connected to that brand too, because like they are, their product has been endorsed by an influencer that I, I really, really, really care about and respect. Right. And you're also seeing influencers being used as spokespeople a little bit more too, right? So the on company platforms, they're using influencers as spokespeople in, in many different ways. I, uh, which they should. Um, and I also think too, there's another part of this as well. Influencers hearing this, I think this is an opportunity, like given all that's going on to really think about what is your business? Who are, who is your community? Why are you influential? And what is the story that you want to tell? And not just focus on Instagram. I think that this is a, a huge mishap that I think so many people, you know, do. And I, I, I'm curious, Erica, from your perspective, if this would be a bit of a turnoff, but you know, Instagram is not your business, right? If you only only have an Instagram account. Is that, does that carry as much weight as having a, you know, a, the ability to also post on your YouTube channel and post on your blog and have other channels and not just be an omni channel, like one channel business, but, you know, have, have this connection and broad reach over a mass variety of channels. But, you know, I, I'm curious if, if you feel that way, Erica, but I, I think a big thing that creators should really think about in this time when they're really able to reassess their business is you aren't just Instagram. Like Instagram is not the only thing. 
thing. And what happens if Instagram shuts down? You won't have a business. And so it is important to really think about what is that trunk of the tree that can host all of this content? Because Instagram itself is not a place I can inherently go and shop your latest, I don't know, try on hauls because it's, it's a place for me to feel inspired and empowered, but I'm not buying like my fall wardrobe from Instagram. So I wonder, Erica, for you, is this something that you feel like from the agency and brand side of things? Is that something that you really look to is looking to people who have that diversity and their the channels that they can share the, this, this story with, with their community? First of all, I, I hope influencers aren't just relying on Instagram for their business. There are oh, people, there are people who literally just have an Instagram account. It's, it's, it's a thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So for you people out there, just like you said, Julian, we all know Instagram, it could go away tomorrow. It's not going to, but your account could get reported. Your account could get hacked. You could lose all of your followers. Yes. You absolutely should be thinking of your own brand as a business. Your business is not Instagram. Your business is maybe not even your TikTok, your, <laughs> your blogs, your business is who you are. And this is, this is the advice I actually, the same advice I'd give to an influencer, because I think small business people are also influencers. You can be influencer, influential in many ways. I gave a small talk to a group of local business owners. And I said, who here thinks of themselves as an expert? And only one person raised their hand. And I said, why is that? You know, people are going to come to your business because of what you can teach them. You have to be able to teach them something that they don't already know. And how are you going to do that? Through a variety of channels, right? Like, who are you? And how? And, and once you figure out who you are, I feel like the rest will come. You'll realize there's more to life than Instagram. You have to be able to expand yourself as a business. I am smiling. I wish you could see me right now. That is so, so, so powerful. Well, Erica, um, our time is up and thank you so much for joining us today. I think, I hope that both all the influencer marketers and just marketers in general who listen to this as well as influencers really took a lot of advice. I know I did. There's just so much information um, that we really covered here. So thank you for sharing your insight, um, really kind of diving into what you think the power and future of influencer marketing is and what you think needs to happen. So thank you for that. And so my last question is, I know, you know, you, you do have an Instagram presence yourself, but where can people find you on LinkedIn or email? Even I think that there's going to be a lot of follow-up questions from this. And I'd love for people to be able to reach out to you directly. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm on Instagram at Erica Argat. I'm also on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me anywhere. I love it. Awesome. Well, Erica, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Julian. This was fun. There you have it. I hope you love this episode as much as we did. And don't forget to head to our website, bloggist.co, download our free guide. We cannot wait to see your business grow exponentially this year. Since you've made it this far, don't forget to subscribe to the Bloggist podcast over on iTunes so you never miss another episode. Show your support by giving us a five-star rating and taking a screenshot of this episode and posting it on Instagram stories. We always love seeing who's tuning in. And for more information about Bloggist, check out bloggist.co. That's B-L-O-G-I-S-T dot co. For influencers, think of Bloggist as your personal manager. We're here to crunch the data about your audience, help you identify ways to grow your online following, and discover ways to monetize your social media channels. And for brands, Bloggist gives you all of the qualitative and quantitative data necessary to find the perfect digital influencers to work with who will help you build your brand and convert new customers. That's all for this week. See you next time.